0: Joining me today is my good friend, evangelist Josh Herring. Brother Herring is a fantastic preacher and teacher of the Word of God. You have probably seen his famous video that just came out uh, earlier this year on Facebook. He entitled it Apostolics Arise. I know it meant a lot to me because it was in the beginning of quarantine. I was hunkered down not knowing what I would do or where I would go, but scrolling through Facebook... Sister Janae Herring's account came up and I saw she put the camera up in the bedroom and Josh Herring was on there preaching, her husband. And I tell you what, that message changed me. His uh, preaching has impacted me on a personal level, touched our church on a personal level and impacted this movement on a very, very powerful level. Uh, For more information about Brother Herring, his contact information and things like that, please reference the episode notes. Brother Herring, welcome to Spirit Signal.
1: Thank you, Brother Gleason. What an incredible honor it is to be with you today and all those who will be listening. Uh, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. What was it like preaching in your bedroom to the camera? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, it was fun because um, uh, there was it was different, but I felt such an urgency in the spirit that there needed to be a, an awakening of our people. And so uh, instead of waiting for someone to do it. I just felt, well, why not me? Why not just get in there? And, uh, and so as I was preaching, of course there was no response and I was probably going faster than I should have been going because usually, uh, when you're preaching, you have the crowd uh, flowing with you and there was no crowd flowing. So I wasn't sure if I was doing well or not. Uh, I knew I was sweaty, but, uh, at the hmm. end of it, I felt like, well, as long as someone gets a hold of this, it'll work out. Hopefully the record the recording was was on the entire time. It felt kind of silly, but then after a couple months of doing it, it feels kind of normal.
0: Yeah, you get you got to get used to it. I tell you what, during this uh, quarantine time, it has really separated a lot of uh, the good preachers, I guess, from the bad preachers. And what I mean by good preachers, it's guys that know how to communicate and not worry about so much a response, and their ministry yeah. is not built upon hype. And it's not Mm -hmm. built upon just uh, being seen of men, but rather being a blessing by teaching and preaching the word of God. You you see that? Mm, I agree. Yeah, I agree.
1: You know, very, very important to be connected, especially right now. And if you're not, you're not going to be
0: used right now. Exactly. And uh, God bless all of the preachers that did something, you know, that got involved Mm -hmm. and did something, went after it the best they could with just uh, their, uh, their iPhone. But uh, that video was a a major turning point for me. You published that on March 15th. You called it Apostolics Arise. And uh, we'll put a link to that in the episode notes. You need to watch that. And one of the first things you said, Brother Herring, is we're not under attack by the government, but attacked by a virus. We are under attack by a virus. Uh, Do you kind of still feel that way about this?
1: Yeah, I do think that the, the the virus was, you know, obviously sent through the nations. And I believe that it's, it's an act, it's in a biochemical warfare. Uh, this was really going on. But I do, I, I don't think that even if a government did attack us, uh, we serve a God whose increase of his own government, there's no end, his government just increases and increases. So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to me that, that a lot of people blamed a lot of different things and, and people blame the devil and everything. And I know that Satan is probably trying to build the platform for the Antichrist right now with, um, with everything going on. I think he's trying to take mm-hmm. advantage of the moment. I think he's just kind of like in Hitler's day when he tried to rush things. He's trying to rush things again. Yeah. And he and he fears this worldwide revival. He knows it's coming. And so he's trying to stir up every voice of opposition. Some things are crazy and the devil sees that it's, it's hectic. And so he just piles on uh, when, when things get crazy. And so there's been a lot of other activity that has been demonic after the virus has broken out. Uh, and there's been a lot of craziness and, and chaos. Uh, but I think the virus did you know did stir up the church and it stirred up the world, stirred everything up, but it definitely stirred the spirit world up uh, and and then yeah. it caused people it caused people to either hunger to be sensitive to the voice of God or if they were not connected to God and did not want to be connected it it drifted them or pulled them into a season of entertainment where they were now um at home and listening to every voice in the world on the news and social media, every voice, but God's voice. And so, uh, basically people have either gotten, I don't think very many people are at the same level now with their walk with God as they were before the virus started. I think you're either closer to God or further away. I think because it was impossible to stay at the same dimension. I think you either had to reach for God during this and purpose in yourself to get closer to him or, you drifted with the flow and there's no way you're at the same level. Uh, now if you've been drifting for three or four months, there's no way you're at the same sensitivity level of hearing the voice of God and walking with God. If you've
0: not been listening for God. Exactly. The people that have wanted to be spiritual during this time, they've done it. The people that have wanted to be carnal during this time, (laughs) they've done it. it. You know, the people, you know, uh, To understand the spirit world, it takes a lot of wisdom. It takes a lot of understanding. It takes a lot of knowledge. And really, it takes a lot of observation and to make an equation of things that you see. So when we hear of pestilence, when we hear of famines, when we hear of wars, rumors of wars, commotion, persecution, all of those things, is it really time to start binge watching Netflix? Or is it time to binge read your Bible, <laughs> right? Yeah. Is it time?
1: Know the answer to that? Yes.
0: Is it time to raid the fridge or time for an extended fast? Huh? So right. Right. Yeah, you know, we were at ease for a long time, and I around the holidays, I was sitting on the couch, and my wife looked at me and said, "What's wrong?" And I said, "Nothing." She goes, "No, there's something wrong." I said, "Exactly, nothing is wrong. That's the problem." And she looked at me perplexed, and I said there's no problems. That is a bad sign. We're at ease. Something's got to happen. I don't know what it is. 2020, There's something's going to go bad. And sure enough, COVID-19 came, but in some ways, it really has been the best of times for a lot of us. And I tell you what, I've seen a lot of people pray through during this time, and a lot of people truly, truly get spiritual. And you mentioned other voices, other things out there. And I, the conclusion I draw is what you're saying is people have let their carnal nature rise during this time, which has been dangerous, very, very dangerous for their own spirituality yes. and uh, their family and a subject that you are an expert on. You practice it and preach it, giving us great insight into it. I know it's helped me personally, and that is the subject of fasting. And uh, you're you're uh, working on a book about this, correct?
1: Yes, I'm working on a book um, called Fast Forward. Um, after doing several extended fasts, uh, because this, it, there's just so much that fasting does, um, I could take, you know, the rest of this episode and and several others and just talk about it because there's so much mm. into the world of fasting. Fasting is a world of its own. Um, it's right. it's a com- it's, in fact, when I go on an extended fast, I pray for the spirit of fasting to come upon me because there's just something about uh, what fasting does. We all know that it weakens the devil. We know that you know it positions the child of God uh, or anyone for an answer if they're, if they're praying to the Lord. Uh, and there's so much you know about the spirit world that it reveals and I believe now this can get deep, but I really think that the demonic world and the angelic world, are very sensitive to when people start fasting, especially for spiritual purposes. Um, mm. Daniel 10 proves that when he's 21 days and not eating the king's meat and he's eating, he's fasting. And all of a sudden the angel says, we heard you the first day. And, but this Prince of Persia, this demonic spirit that's above your area has withheld us from getting to you, held me from getting to you. And uh, so first of all, Daniel's fast activated spiritual warfare in the heavenlies it activated angels and demons to fight. They were not fighting until someone started fasting. Yeah. Uh, and when they, when, when the man started fasting, it caused heaven to move, which caused hell to move. And then of course, uh, you know, the revelation is the angel said, and when I take your words back up to heaven, this demon is going to be joined by another demon. This Prince of Persia will be joined by the Prince of Grecia, and these two demons will fight me to keep your words from getting into heaven. But the revelation is that he's saying hell uh, has abandoned their post in Grecia over one guy fasting. They've completely left their post and the people that they were trying to afflict and destroy right, because one guy is on a fast. They're more concerned with one person fasting than the entire nation over here of carnality. So, and we could talk all day about this, but it really activates the spirit world because you see, uh, the devil is the prince of the air, according to Ephesians two. And uh, prince in the Greek is ruler and commander in chief. He's the in fact he's called the prince of the power of the air. And power there is the the uh, is power of choice, liberty of doing as one pleases. The definition is that in the Greek. And air is atmosphere. And so, basically, between the ground and the stars is where the demonic domain is. When you look up at the sky. Uh, in between you and this in the sky is the demonic kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so when when uh, when a word of God comes to you, uh, when the Lord gives you a promise, when the Lord says I'm gonna save your child, when God says I'm gonna heal your body or I'm gonna say or, I'm gonna fix your marriage or I'm gonna take care of your finances, that word if you just discard it and say, okay, well, so, let's see what happens. You, you bury, or you, you basically discard, and you, you, you walk away from it. But if you receive it in faith, you understand that word has gone through all the power of hell to get to you. Every spirit of hell that could stop that word from getting to you has been revoked and removed. And so that spirit has, that word has come to you and fasting clears up the atmosphere. Fasting, clears the spirit world for things to come to you. Fasting, mm. it creates a pathway between you and the throne of God, and basically cuts a path through the demonic kingdom to where stuff that you're praying for, answers that you need, direction that you need, can come to you.
0: Amen. So fasting is, wow, Uh well, uh, hurry up, please, and publish this book. I can't uh wait to get get my hands okay. on it. And, uh, you know, cause fasting is a very deep concept, uh, in, in the Bible, you know, there's a right way to do it and there's certainly a wrong way to do it. And Daniel, uh, had the depths and the understanding of it. It seems to me in the book of Daniel, he was fasting to humble himself and to repent for the sins of his people. And yes. uh, you know he's he's there in Babylon because of the sins of his fathers, and he knew through prophecy of Jeremiah that all would be accomplished in seventy years, and then the people would come back to the land. And uh, you know I don't even think he he really was expecting to have insight into the messianic kingdom that would come, the knowledge of the rise and fall of empires, and it just goes to show. And you know Daniel was a eunuch. He was a single man living in just a small bedroom but the guy fasted he prayed angels came the dreams came the interpretations came and he was promoted and it just goes to show if you can learn to keep your flesh under subjection God'll use you right
1: completely agree and and that's I mean that's incredible the way you just described it and there's no way there's no other way to get that kind of favor from God. I believe there's just something about uh, winning the battle in the darkness, winning the battle, winning the battle when no one's around that gets God's attention. And when you, when you go on extended fast, or you, you pray uh, for an extended period of time and you focus your life and you give and you sacrifice um, and with the right motive, like you said, you know, and something I, I mentioned to you the other day in our, in our conversation, um, you know, to, that goes along with what you just said about Daniel repenting and, and fasting for the others around him. In the Bible, every notable fast, with the exception of one, uh, was always for other people. Every notable fast, whether it was Moses fasting for the law and fasting for the glory to help people, uh, whether it was Elijah fasting and then going to anoint Elisha and Haziel and Jehu, ultimately, and or whether it was Jesus fasting and changing the world after his fast. Those were the 340-day fast. Uh, of course, Moses did it twice. Or whether it was people in the Bible like the king of Nineveh who called a fast for the people of Nineveh to be spared. Or Esther fasting for her people to be saved. Or Daniel fasting, like you said, for the people. Or Darius fasting for Daniel to be spared in the lion's den. Nehemiah fasting for the city. Uh, you have Ezra fasting for direction. Yeah, and there's more in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you have, obviously, Paul fasting on the ship for others to be saved, and the apostles in Acts 13 fasting before they sent others out for direction. Um, these all the, Anna fasted for other people. The Bible says she served God with prayers and fastings, and that word prayers is deesis in the Greek, which is supplication. So if you had a need in that day and time, you'd go to the church and you'd talk to Anna about it, she would go on a fast for you, even though she was 84 mm. years old uh, when this was mentioned. Now, the only person in the Bible that did not fast uh, for others in a notable fast was Jezebel. Jezebel fasted. She declared a fast so she could uh, get Naboth's vineyard. And she declared a fast and acted spiritual and ultimately lied about Naboth and had him stoned. And had everybody fast so she and Ahab, her husband, could steal his vineyard. So I think ultimately right here the motive of the fast must be humility, like you said. And if there is humility and there is repentance and there is a hunger, yes, and you can have things you want God to do. Every time I go on a fast, there's things I want God to do. But I never put at the top of my list anything before crucifying the flesh, humility, and then others' needs, because I want the motive to be proper and to be correct if the Lord is going to answer the prayers.
0: Yeah. See, Jezebel, you know, was a pagan princess. Uh, dabbled in the uh, Zidonian dark arts, and even they understood how fasting entertains the spirit world. Now she wasn't entertaining God or or the angels of the Lord as Daniel would do, or as Elijah would do, or any of any of the uh, prophets of God. But it yeah. seems like she understood if you you know to through the power of spiritual manipulation you know, subjecting the flesh away from food, away from the earthly things and to go after the uh, dark spiritual things. And, you know, people can uh, get into that. Wasn't there a, in the book of Acts, a group that uh, went on a fast uh, to kill the apostle Paul, you know, they yes. wanted to, yeah, they, they wanted, they were fasting for, for the death of Paul. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it it's just goes back to the foundational principles of what Jesus taught, whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever this or that you do so for the glory of God. This is all Amen. about God, you know, and uh, we want to make sure we are, are fasting for the correct reasons, but I really like what you said. You know, people were fasting for other people denying themselves yeah. the pleasures of food. And of course it's not a sin to eat. Right. You know, but It is a sin. You know, it can lead to sin when you have uh, your carnal nature heightened uh, to a dangerous level. And that's when you, you know, you don't hear God and all those, uh, (laughs) the depths of all those uh, layers, you know, in the upper atmosphere to block the word of God, you know, take into effect. But when you keep that flesh suppressed, uh, you know, you're going to hear from God. I think one of the foundational uh, principles of fasting is you think about this, what was man's first sin? It wasn't yeah, adultery. Food. Yeah, it was what we ate. And I think when you do that, mm-hmm. you are going back, as it were, to the Garden of Eden and telling the serpent, No, I will not do this. I I do have control over my flesh. So it's it's hard to sin, you know, when <laughs> you know when you're hungry. It's hard to, you know, have your mind on temptations, you know, when you're going without food. You really don't want to do much of anything and uh, fasting will make you powerful. So uh, let me ask you this, Brother Herring, Uh, you and I, when you were here with us a couple years ago, you, me, and my father, some of the saints of the church, we cast devils out of a a boyfriend and a girlfriend. Remember that? They're up there at the altar. You remember that? Yes. 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 And uh, I've seen this happen before in other places. And, uh, you know, it's not as, you know, when I hear when new people come to the church, a lot of them want to know about demon possession for some reason. (laughs) And, you know, it's funny as a lot of them have gotten an education from it from Hollywood. And I want to tell them, you know what, it's not that bad. Believe me, it's bad, but it ain't that bad. But it's amazing when you are prayed up, fasted up. And that moment happens, how much faith will kick in at the moment mm-hmm. and you you know you generally have to have some knowledge of what you're doing but you don't have to plan for it it just sort of just happens and i remember those devils coming out of those people and the whole altar smelled like sulfur i remember you were dry yes. heaven i was dry heaven it it was weird it was gross but a great deliverance happened and mm-hmm. you can see there supernaturally the power of keeping your flesh in subjection and having faith in the lord jesus christ and this is key because the devil is at work right now. I think the devil has enjoyed COVID nineteen, right? Absolutely. I think he has
1: absolutely
0: has pounced on this and a lot of the negative things that we have heard about uh, during all of this. People are going to have to do spiritual warfare to survive this. And uh, one of the key elements to this is uh, fasting. Uh, let's, you got some insights on the fast that Jesus did for 40 days, 40 nights. What was the reason for that fast? What were some of the depths of it? And, you know, Satan's visitation, the angels come into him afterwards, you know, and why did it yeah, happen right was, after yeah. the baptism? It happened before he started preaching. What are some of your thoughts on that?
1: Several great, great things in this. Um, you know, first of all, um, I forget if it's in Luke or I think it's in Luke, but one of the gospels said that when Jesus, after he was baptized, that he went to the wilderness forty days and forty nights to be tempted of the devil. He did not say he was going to fast; he said he went to be tempted, mm. and so he fasted because of the temptation that's that was coming. Now there that's a go. very there. There it is, right there in a nutshell that he knew the tempter was coming. And so he fasted until the tempter came. And now there are so many different um, things you know I can I can bring out in just this little. There was three temptations, um, obviously, and the you know commanding the stones to be made bread, uh, cast thyself down, and you know, and so fall down and worship me. So uh, I think there's three things to look at here. Uh, First of all, the first temptation that the devil brought him was to commanding stones who made bread after this fast. He was trying to get God to force something to be something else for his own benefit. He was trying to get rock, make it, you know, turn, transform things he had created as rocks and shift them into bread for him to personally consume. So it's a spirit of consumption that, that comes sometimes, uh, and this, this is amazing how the devil, eventually said, this was what the purpose of this thing was made for, but you can change it to make it this for yourself for your own personal gain. Stones are stones and bread is bread. And Jesus, you know, of course, corrected him and, and gave him the word. And then the second temptation cast yourself down, lower yourself into a lack of influence, quit before your time, uh, you know, get, to, lower yourself, uh, It's interesting to me, and then compromise your values. You know, fall down and worship me. And it's amazing how Satan, uh, in this, uh, you know, if let me just say this to all the listeners: if he don't come at Jesus Christ at the end of a forty-day fast, do you think that he's afraid to come at you? Do you think? Do you think that if if he will if he has the boldness and the audacity? To come at God Almighty on a forty day fast with the arrogance to bring him everything from the kingdoms of the world, which I believe he saw all the kingdoms of all time. I believe he showed him not just going on in that moment. I believe he showed him the kingdoms that were coming in the future. I mean, I think he I yeah. think it was an ultimate it was an ultimate moment of entertainment, not to get back to that thing, but it was, it was the ultimate movie, if you so will. It was, he was watching everything that would unfold, every yeah. kingdom that would rise. And he said, all this is going to be yours. Now, it's funny how the devil is telling him that these kingdoms of the earth would be his. Now, we, now and a lot of people believe that the devil, going back to my original point, being the prince of the air, he does not own, now I might get in trouble with this, but he does not own the earth. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. A lot of people say that the devil is in charge of the earth. He's in charge of the air. He's the prince of the power of the air, but he is, he's literally in that, at, in that atmosphere where we're in, in between earth and heaven now. And so he's trying to convince the Lord that he will give him power and over all these things that he has been given power over, but the earth is the Lord's. And so It's interesting to me that he is this bold to come at Jesus who's never sinned, didn't even need to fast, but fasted 40 days and is about to leave in the power of the spirit. And if you think that he won't come at you, if you start getting connected, uh, you, 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 you don't know what you're talking about because he will send things to you once he sees you leaving, the there's three battles, Brother Gleason. There's three wars. Okay, I feel to say this right now. Yeah, say it. There's three. There's 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 three wars that when you wake up every morning you will enter one of these three wars.
0: Keep keep talking. Either, by the okay. way, I'm I'm just enjoying a cup of coffee. Okay. and enjoying all this okay. stuff. All right, <laughs> all
1: right. Okay. okay, all right. There are three types of warfare. Okay, every morning when a child of God wakes up he or she enters one of these three wars every day. Either it's a war with the flesh. You wake up and you're carnal. You're you're wanting things for yourself. You're wanting things. uh, Your mind is on things of the world. Your mind is on things that are distracting. Your mind is not on the things of God. Um, And if you get up and pray and you, get connected and you put that flesh under subjection. A lot of people think that if I pray in the morning and and I get my flesh pinned, that I'm instantly, you know, connected to the spirit world. Well, in between the flesh world, in between the flesh world and the spirit world is the actual world. So the enemy knows the second warfare is a worldly warfare. And that's why you can, um, you can get victory at home in prayer in the morning and then go out into the day and something happens. And you felt spiritual and you felt prayed up. You pre- felt prayed through in the morning and then you go out into your day and someone cuts you off in traffic or mm. uh, someone sends you a text message or someone dressed inappropriately oh. walks by and instantly your mind goes back to the flesh. Mm. And because here's what the devil understands. He does not want you in the spirit world. He mm. wants you battling the flesh every day Right? because if you get victory over the flesh, you're headed toward his territory. I feel the Holy Ghost right yeah. now. If you, so, you can you say that again? Did you just, flesh,
0: Brother Herring, did you say the devil does not want you in the spirit world?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. I've never you heard anybody say that. In, in his wow. mind, you do not belong there. That's his turf where he fights the angels. But he hates it. That he First of all, he hates that he has to see you on the earth replacing him. He definitely does not want you in the spirit world at all as a human. Man. That's off limits to you in, in his mind. So he sends war. He sends layers of warfare to you and it starts with flesh. Flesh is he, he's, you know, he knows everything you struggle with. He makes sure it's available to you. And if you get it pinned in the morning, you get victory. Then he brings the world to you because the, the whole, the the only purpose that the world has, the worldly warfare has is to push you back into a fleshly warfare. It, it's, it's completely the layer. It's, it's the layer between you and the spirit world. And so he uses that to keep you carnal, keep you disconnected, keep you angry, keep you lustful, keep you uh, full of pride, you, whatever conversation to stir you up, to tick you off or whatever, to tempt you. To get you back into that fleshly battle, where you're where you're condemning yourself, you're depressed, you're trying to get over your addiction, you're trying to break a habit, he uses the world to push you back into that fleshly warfare. And so, because the Bible said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power, so the the opposite is true. If you're wrestling your flesh, you are ineligible to wrestle in the spirit world, and the demons know it. You mm-hmm. cannot wrestle flesh and the demonic at the same time. You cannot deliver someone when you're when you're chained up you cannot cast out something you flirt with you cannot it's impossible and and the enemy knows that and so if he keeps you in the flesh realm you are completely blind deaf and mute to the spirit world all around you that's why you won't see the the angels you won't sense the spirits near your home when they're attacking your kids you won't pick up on on stuff around you you'll miss things and pastors messages that are coming to you right across the pulpit. And Mm. it's in one ear and out the other, because he has got you. And I'm going to say this too. I feel the Holy ghost in this part. The reason he's doing that is because he understands that if he keeps you blind and deaf and disconnected, he will hold you hostage your entire life. And, and I want to say this very, very emphatically, the number one thing he uses to keep you out of the spirit world, is entertainment. If he can distract wow. you with everything in the world around you, if he can get you watching everything but the word, if you you might be a watchman, but if you're asleep on the wall because you're connected to the world, he has you right where he wants you. No matter how gifted you are, how how spiritual you have been, he has you in the warfare that he wants. It's kind of like when Elijah told. The servant, there's going to be rain. There had not been rain three and a half years. There's going to be rain. And he said, At the, in the mountain, run to the top of the mountain and see if you see anything. See if you see any clouds. And the servant comes down and says, there is nothing. And instantly, there's there's two potential wars here. There's, or there's two potential locations for the war. There can either be a war in Elijah's flesh, in Elijah's mind of doubt and depression and discouragement as he silently thinks about the fact that he had faith for a miracle. And he sent the servant to the mountaintop and he climbs this entire mountain. He comes back down and there's no clouds anywhere. And the devil says, we're going to fight this war in your mind. I want you in a flesh fight.
2: Yeah. But
1: Elijah opens his mouth, knowing that the devil's the prince of the air and says, no, go again. In fact, go so many times until you're going to get an answer. You're going to just make up your mind to go until something happens. In other words, we're not going to fight this battle in my flesh. We're going to fight it in the spirit world. Where's the spirit world? Where's the demonic kingdom? It's the air. We're going to fight this in the air. How do you fight in the air? I'm going to say a couple of things right now. How do you fight in the demonic kingdom? You speak words. Words have power in atmospheres. Yeah. In fact, let me just say this. If you're going to, to be baited into arguing because the devil loves it when you when you get baited into arguing in your home because because arguing keeps you in the flesh it keeps you angry at the person let me just say this the lord showed me something in the book of jude everyone ought to read the book of jude it's only one chapter but if you're going to this is what the lord spoke to me brother gleason if you're going to argue learn to argue like an angel is what he said mm. i said what do you mean he said he said learn how angels argue he said, for when Michael, the prince, was, was fighting Satan for the body of Moses, the Bible said he durst not use a railing accusation against them, but said, the Lord rebuked thee. In other words, Michael understood that Satan is the voice, is the angel with a voice. That's his only weapon. He's not given weapons of war and power. He's given a voice, fear, and he threatens and he he. Manipulates and he deceives. And he makes up situations, and so Michael understood he Satan wants to lower the warfare into into his domain. Now I'm speaking. Now I just told you how to get from Earth to Heaven. Now I'm going to show you how he, Satan wants Heaven to come down to Earth. He's trying to get Michael, the Archangel, to to argue on a demon in the demonic domain and demonic level. Arguing is. Yeah huge in the demonic level it is it's division it's released conflict it's released anger it's released violence it re- released strife you see these things in your area that, that's a signal that the demons are loose in your area and so he said come down to my level and argue with me and michael said the lord rebuked me now the revelation is that michael knew who he sub- who was submitted to and michael knew that if i speak from a position of authority and victory, I am speaking from a heavenly position, for I'm submitted to the one who reigns in heaven. And he cannot argue this because he cannot fight the one I'm submitted to. So <laughs> if wow. you learn to argue like angels do, you go through the demonic domain and you speak from the heavenly domain, and you speak from a position of authority Woo. that this that Satan cannot completely fight against. In fact, if you keep reading in Ephesians, the this is powerful. After you find out that he's the prince of the power of the air, just go down a few verses. I think verse six, it says, the Lord has made us to sit in heavenly places, which means above the star level. When you get into the spirit, the devil truly is beneath your feet because he is beneath the stars. And so when you get into the heavenlies and you speak from authority, he is underneath your feet. And he cannot fight what you're saying because it's coming from another world that he doesn't has no power in
0: (laughs) bro. Tremendous talking points. Wow. Amazing. You hear that spirit signal listeners? The devil doesn't want you in the spirit world. That's his turf. You'll anger him. We need to be learning to argue like the angel speak from our authority. God has given to us. And of course, speak from the submission we have unto God, or under God. And then, um, talking about the temptation of Jesus yes, you uh, mentioned the kingdoms of this world. That's what t- Satan tempted him with. You know what I see there? My mind goes to Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Uh, You know, you're talking about fast forward, which to me, when I see that, that title, it's not really, it's a title, it's an idea, which is why the book's going to sell really well. People don't buy titles anymore, man. They buy ideas and fast forward is an idea. Does it, let me just guess, does that speak of fasting for the future to lay hold and lay claim of the future, you know, setting yourself in the right direction? Is that what it means? Yes. It
1: it means that completely, and it also means that when you fast, God brings things to you from the future at a faster pace. There you go.
0: Uh That's what I thought. You look at this Revelation eleven; it says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. Mm -hmm. And I think Satan knew because there's other prophecies even before John ever got the Revelation. The Old Testament prophets saw, you know, Daniel saw it. He saw all the he saw Messiah bringing a kingdom you know, and all the kingdoms becoming his, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, the the big statue, it all crashes and mm-hmm. falls. So Satan knew that the kingdoms of the world would belong to Messiah, and it would come from God, but he wanted to give it to him. And if he is the giver of the kingdoms, he becomes the power. It's why uh, Abraham didn't want to receive any any gifts, any of the spoils of the kings of Sodom. And that's why you got to be careful what kind of gifts you receive from people. <laughs> you, never, you never know mm-hmm. what type of spirit they are that could pass from you, okay? Yeah.
1: I'd like to say so, something on that. Um, you know, yeah. uh, there are two people in the Bible that God called friend, and that was Abraham and Judas. Mm. And their lives, their lives. Um, th- th- it was amazing how how different they were. One received everything and gained everything, and one lost everything. And these two are the friend of God, and and. Yet Abraham walks with God, and and Satan enters into Judas. And the difference is found in, I believe it's Genesis nineteen twenty seven and John eighteen one and two. You'll find it. But in Genesis nineteen twenty seven, Abraham got up early and met and went to the place where he met the Lord. And in John eighteen one and two, when Judas betrayed Jesus, he said, "I, I can take you to the place where he's at, where he was praying, where he's praying." And so, one had a place of prayer and the other knew of the place of prayer. Hmm. And they're both a friend of God, but one said, I don't want the things of the world. I, I want what the Lord has for me. Yeah. And I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say no to the spoils. And the other said, I'll take the spoils. I'll take what the world has. Give me the 30 pieces of silver. And you see the outcome of their life, how drastically different it was. Uh, but they were both a friend of God, both start the same plan. That's why I'm not a big fan of the song. I'm a friend of God, because so is Judas. But I'm saying that there's, <laughs> I'm not mocking the song, but I'm saying that that's really, that's that's great. But but what you that's do funny. from that point, the, say, Abraham, if you're a friend of the Lord, Satan's going to bring things to you. And you can either be like Abraham and say, no, I want what the Lord has for me in this prayer life. And I want to find out what's in the spirit world. Or you can be like Judas and "I'll take what's in the natural world and you see the outcome.
0: Hmm. Man, that's good stuff. So fast forward, God is accelerating things from the future towards you. You know, Satan yes. was trying to attack what God would give, what God would gain. And that was the kingdoms of this world. And he wanted to to give it. He wanted to be the giver of it if he could have. And uh, let's go back to Michael. I I kind of, you know, you know and by the way this is all unscripted listeners we we didn't plan on this this is just how preachers talk to each other yep you know michael argues with satan doesn't bring railing accusation you know but just says the lord rebuke you i wonder if the dispute that happened there uh it, it, you know uh, when moses died in the book of deuteronomy what was exactly the argument over the body i years ago i read some rabbinical commentaries on this and I cannot remember what they said but my thinking about this is that it had to do something with the future and or possibly what Moses wrote you think about this Moses wrote the God would raise up a prophet unto himself God would raise up a prophet unto himself and the, and Israel knew that prophecy and i think raise up that speaks of resurrection language i wonder if if possibly <laughs> satan would try to use and twist the word of god the word of prophecy to get israel to believe that god would raise up possibly moses bring him into the promised land and and wait for the lord to raise him up you know to try mm-hmm. to get to try to use moses to take the place of messiah possibly you know that that could have been either that or Kind of what I'm thinking here is, you know, God said to Moses, you will never set foot in the land. And Satan is trying to do everything he can to make God lie. And if Satan could get the body of Moses and bring him into the promised land, then that means God is a liar, perhaps. You know, Moses didn't set yeah. foot in, in the promised land until uh, he stands there transfigured with Jesus.
1: And I'll tell you something else. In Ezekiel 28:14, when he's describing Satan. Before he was Satan, he says, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down amidst the stones of fire. Mm-hmm. There's something else here that Satan was very ticked that God let Moses on the holy mountain because he used to dwell there. See, he used to yeah. be on the holy mountain, but Mo- Moses was allowed to go up and down it on fast course. Wow! Uh, and Satan, uh, I'm not sure what happened on that mount before there was ever a, before mankind I'm not sure what the devil did because ultimately he was he was in charge of the earth for a he while was. before he fell yeah he, he said I will ascend into the heights so he his kingdom yep. was down here and so uh, he couldn't handle the earth that's why he's in the air now but but I wonder if because he was in charge of the holy mountain of God he went up and down the Bible said he the Bible said there that he that was upon the holy mountain of God and walked up and down. In the midst of the stones of fire, and I just wonder, knowing—I mean, there's there's a lot here, Brother Gleason—but knowing that Moses would would that Moses tapped into something on that second trip to the top, when the glory got into his face, knowing that Moses would possibly be on the Mount of Transfiguration thousands of years later with Elijah, knowing that Elijah would come to the Mountain of God when when Elijah left Carmel and Jezebel chased him. He went to the same mountain that Moses fasted from the forty days. The angel said, "Go to the mountain," and so Mo- he goes the same exact mountain that Moses went to. It's very interesting, and these all three are on Jesus, Elijah, and Moses are now on the Mount Transfiguration, thousands of years later. Of course, he couldn't; the devil couldn't fight over the body of Elijah because he was translated into heaven. So I'm I'm also hmm. curious about what you're saying And maybe maybe it was the fact that he had, he had a human replacement right there. And it drove him crazy. What was coming in the future, uh, whether he could manipulate it to where Moses would be the, the false Messiah or whether he could make it to where Moses could not be on the Mount of Transfiguration or whatever his motive was, there was, something has to be connected to the fact that Moses replaced him on the Holy Mountain.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's deep stuff. Some things that, uh, You know, I don't know if we'll ever get answers because it's, you know, hidden away. Only God and the angels will know, you know, those reasons. But God always has a plan. And Satan, of course, wants to fight prophecy. He wants to fight what God has promised, he wants to fight what the Lord has declared. Um, We were talking about, you know, the devil, um, a demonic attack can happen to anyone to anyone. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to think, "Oh, I'm under attack of the devil. That means, "Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing something wrong. When in all reality, I think the devil attacks us when we're doing something right. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about this, somebody who's deep into sin, the devil uh, wants to make his attack and his possession and all that enjoyable and pleasurable. I'd say when I first saw this, I was at a funeral. It was a tragic mm-hmm. death of a, of a teenage boy Uh, that Mm -hmm. drowned in a lake nearby. And I was, uh, I I spoke at the funeral and I remember sitting in the section that I normally would sit in, in our church. And I look over and the, and the father of this boy was on the front row. And obviously he was grieving. He was heartbroken. He, He really didn't have a good relationship with his son, you know, but there was love there. And I mean, he, 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 uh, it was hard to talk to him at the beginning. You know, some people, people that don't, don't have the hope that we have, have a difficult time grieving. But man, I will never forget in that funeral. I looked out the corner of my eyes and I saw a demonic spirit enter into the church and it walked down the aisle and it looked like it walked like a, uh, like an ape. It, uh, it looked like a dark shadow and uh, it was transparent. You could see through it. And I watched this thing walk down on all fours down the aisle and it got right up next to that man, and it, it's like it, it crawled into him. It just kind of just like sunk, evaporated right into him. And I watched this man's countenance go from sadness, depression, probably suicidal thoughts. He lifted up his head and looked up and smiled. It was like he was all of a sudden happy again. I, I've never seen anything like that in my life. He went from sorrow and grief and the devil came, possessed him, and all of a sudden he was happy. So uh, if, if that's the way, the, if that's your reaction to the devil, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing it wrong. So yes. the, the, some people just possess devils. They want devils. You know, it's like Beyonce in that disastrous halftime show. She gets up there. I couldn't believe I watched that after that show. I, I said I would never watch halftime ever again. Down there in New Orleans. She got out there and performed a very pagan ritual and all the power shut off. And I've noticed this, Brother Harry, and I'm sure you have too. Electricity behaves weird when, when there's demonic activity. You know, electricity does weird yes. things, power outages, things like that. And that's what oh, yeah. happened there.
1: I could talk, I could talk it, about that for sure. Yeah.
0: And yeah. she said at the end, let me feel your energy. Let me feel your energy. And I mean, you can, you can see it. I don't recommend it, but if you just have to watch it, her face contort. She does weird things. She's, uh, she's anointed of the devil, anointed of the devil. She has the favor of the devil and she loves it. She enjoys it. Uh, you mentioned Hitler earlier. According to history, he would get high on opium and go to uh, the museum there in Austria and meditate before the spear of destiny. It was said to be uh, the spear that pierced the side of Christ and the Roman emperors uh, had it in their possession. And whoever held that sword, you know, would rule the world. And whatever he did there, he got possessed with some type of spirit, you know. So, I mean, the spirit world is real, listeners. It's real. It's all around us. And it's there. It's it knows your name. It observes you. It knows who you are. And it's waiting any moment at any time to influence you, whether to the good side or the bad side. And we have got to put the TV down. We got to put the remote down. We got to put the smartphones down, unless you're, of course, listening to Spirit Signal. But you have got to uh, keep your flesh under subjection and to I'd like follow. To say the- something on that. Yeah, go ahead. Uh,
1: I-, I just want to give the listeners something really quick that will help with what you're saying uh, because it is this real. And there's something that uh, the Lord gave me that I do every morning that um, I just, I'm not saying because you gave to me that anyone else should do it, but it's just something that I would just throw out there. And if you, uh, if you want to just think about it, I pray the seven prayers of submission every morning before I pray anything else, before I, read my bible before i talk to the the lord about anything before i if i do the tabernacle prayer or or before i talk to my family um there are seven things that i cover myself with every morning before entering the warfare obviously the armor of god is something we do too about a subject of the day but uh i submit first of all to god's word every morning i submit myself to the word of god that no matter no matter what's coming at me today if it's not If it does not agree with the word of God, whether it's an emotion of mine or a thought, uh, it will not be able to trump what the word of God has spoken. Secondly, I submit myself to the name of Jesus. That way, no other name can get glory or can, no matter if it's coronavirus, fear, if it's greed, pride, no matter what the name is, my own name, it doesn't matter what name comes to me. Uh, If I submit myself to the name of Jesus, everything is submitted to his name. Thirdly, I submit to the blood of Jesus. There's a lot of people that plead the blood, uh, but they don't submit to the blood. You cannot have the power of the blood if you're not submitted to the blood. It's kind of like when Moses uh, said, the death angel's coming tonight, put the blood on your doorpost, and and he'll skip by your house and won't kill your firstborn child. But if you go outside the house, you're dead. So in other words, the blood protects you if you live behind the bloodline. And so I don't just plead the blood, I submit to the blood of the morning. And then fourth, I submit to the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, that no other spirit would be able to get to me that is uh, outside the Spirit of God letting it. Number five, I submit myself to the angels of the Lord every morning. Hmm. Whatever angels are near me, whatever they're there to do, whatever whatever they see that I do not see, I submit to their eyes. I submit to their plan, whatever they've got, whatever they're assigned, I submit to their assignment. And then number six, I submit myself to the will of God. Because sometimes my will is not the will of God. And sometimes it's not a devil. It's my flesh. And so I submit myself to the will of God for me for the day. And seventh, I submit myself to my pastor and my elders Mm. every day. And then Mm. here's the reason. When the enemy comes, there's a seven-layer protection upon me that he has to get through to get to me that day. He's got to get through the word, the name, the blood, the spirit, Mm. the angels, the will of God, and my pastor, my elders. And that's why I, have to, I do all seven. I don't want to do six of the seven because if I do six, if I do all six, but forget the seventh and don't submit to my pastor, that's the channel he'll use to so try to find something and um, stir me up against my pastor. If he, if I if I if I submit to my pastor and and the word, I mean the name, the blood, the spirit, and the angels and the will, but I don't I don't read the word, then he'll get to me through carnality because I'm not with the word in me. So I submit myself to all seven things early in the morning. And then when I go out into my day, if there is warfare, I am covered with layers. And, and so when I speak, I'm speaking through the word, through the name, through the blood, through the spirit, through the angels, through the will of God, through the covering of my pastor. And it's a pretty powerful
0: protection. The word, the name, the blood, the, the blood will of God, submission to the, spirit, spirit, the all of that. Yeah. yeah. Angels, yeah. your spirit, pastor.
1: The angels. Yep. Yep. That's it.
0: There you go. Those are good. You know, and we get a lot of questions on prayer. That's a good prayer to be doing. You know, you could write those down and bring those into your prayer closet. And so, you know, I I almost cringe when I hear people say, I don't know what to pray. Well, (laughs) there you go. Start there. Start writing those things down. So that's a good list. Uh, Brother Herring, just real quickly, can you highlight those three layers of warfare the devil does? I remember the first one being flesh, entertainment. What are, what the are those flesh, three the, things?
1: There's three wars every day. It's the flesh war, the world, the worldly war, or the spirit war. Either, you're either in the flesh world, the world, or the spirit world.
0: And one of and the main things you only get to is the, entertainment. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes. And the entertainment is is from the world how to – he uses the entertainment from the world to get you back into the flesh. Right. Uh, one last thing on this, the armor of God is what really will help you here. You know, mm. gird your loins with truth. It's the innermost layer of protection. Put on the breastplate of righteousness that covers your heart from out of the heart of the issues of life. Then after that, you know, you shod your feet with peace, walk in peace in your day. Make up your mind. I'm going to walk in peace. I'm going to, no matter what the pressure is to react, I'm going to, I'm going to walk in peace. Take the shield of faith brother gleason this is one of the most powerful statements in the bible take the shield of faith uh he didn't say he didn't say wear it he said hold it you see uh faith is something you hold where most of the armor is stuff that you wear that's why it's easy for the devil to take your faith and then to take the truth because faith is your outermost layer of protection is the shield uh and truth is your innermost layer of protection that's why mm. if he gets your faith he gets to your peace he gets your he gets your righteousness he gets all the other stuff but with that faith uh Bible says you quench all the fiery darts. So it is the desire of the enemy to not just shoot you and wound you with something from afar, whether through a text message or a phone call, an email, or a person. But he wants to dip the arrow in fire before. He wants to, he wants to start a fire inside of you and burn you alive. And to, so maybe so maybe that warfare is within and it's bitterness or it's jealousy or it's frustration. And he keeps you out of the spirit world through a, a dart he has shot at you. And it got past your shield. You, you lost mm. your faith. That's why Jesus told Peter, I pray that your faith fail. you not Because I know if the devil gets your faith, he's coming with an arrow. And that arrow is dipped in fire. And it's going to keep you in a flesh war all your life until you die and you are lost. Right. And so you put on that shield and helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that's, that's why reading the Bible is so powerful. And I'll stop with this. And that, and that, and this for all the listeners, in case you're wondering why you feel to read the Bible verbally and vocally out loud sometimes, and why you read it quietly, here's why. This right after he said, Take the sword of the spirit, he says, Praying always. So before you pray, he's saying, Put all this armor on and and put the sword on. Why? The sword creates a pathway for the prayer to go up. So here's the power of reading the word of God. Uh, When you read the word of God vocally out loud, you are swinging the sword in the atmosphere, in the air above you, creating a pathway for your prayer to go up to the throne. When you read the words silently, you are swinging the sword inwardly, creating a space inside ah, of you like for that. the prayer, the answer to come and change the situation. Yes. So when you read, the Bible is not boring. The Bible is a weapon to create either a pathway in the spirit world or to create space in your flesh for yes. God to take residence and to bless you and strengthen you and lead you and guide
0: you. Mm. Wow. Tremendous. Amen. Oh, that's good stuff. The apostle Paul had a great knowledge, deep knowledge of the spirit world. Yeah, you know, there in Ephesians, he, you know, right around that chapter of the um uh, of the of the armor you're talking about, he mentions four ranking evil spirits principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, I think I came to understand what all those were. Principality speaks of, and, and all of those are four high-ranking evil spirits uh, that that are way up there, that have a great influence throughout the world. principalities is high-ranking evil angels, evil angels that control areas of the world certain Mm. regions of the world, like North America or like the Prince of Persia. That would be a principality. Secondly, a power is the ability of influence, the ability of influence, like fear, you know, that spirit of fear. It is an actual spirit, you know, and that, and whatever power of fear, it's over America. It's over the whole world right now. Hatred. And the hatred, all that.
1: Yes. Yeah. And the racism,
0: all of that stuff. Uh, thirdly, the rulers of darkness, what I think that is, it's a certain type of leadership that seeks to keep mankind from seeing the light of truth during the church age. It blocks yes. with spiritual darkness, which is why it's so important to, you know, fast, you know, cause, yeah. uh, just, just, uh, you know, getting baptized, speaking in tongues one time—that's that's when your salvation begins, and all of that. Your journey with the Lord's going to require continually to follow the light of the Lord, and uh, that's why we've got to fast, stay submitted, all of those things. Fourthly, the spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places—I define that as a—it's um, high-ranking spiritual beings that have influence to cause men to sin. It's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, the devil, you know, can't force you to do anything, but it's the interjection of thought and, and great influence. A, a, a spiritual host of weakness would be pornography, the the power yeah. of pornography leading men and women to sin. So, yeah, those, you know, when I think of the, the armor of God, I think of the old flannel graph I saw when I was in second grade in Sunday school class, you know, and it looks neat. It's so cool. But when you get older, you realize how powerful you need it. You want to make it into heaven? You got to have that armor. You want to have a ministry? Yeah, you got to have that armor. You want to see God move and shake up stuff? Uh, you got to have that armor. So uh, a lot of our listeners are interested in the type of ministry that you have, Brother Herring. I want to ask you so uh, some practical things. You mentioned uh, the wars that Satan uh, comes against us. So we know how to attack that. You mentioned seven key prayer points that people need to do let's talk about specifically some of the mechanics of fasting. Let's say somebody's between the ages of 18, 25. They don't feel the Lord has spoken to them. Hey, you need to go on a 21 day fast. You need to go on a 40 day fast, which I'm pretty sure you teach and preach that 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 needs to be spirit led, right? Something that, that yeah. You know, God calls, you know, people to that uh, type of fast, but, uh, what do you think about the three day fast? Just about anybody can do that. Right. A three day fast, right?
1: Three day fast. Yes. And there's different layers to each fast um, that I've noticed. Uh, uh, that I've noticed in, uh, you know, different rewards, different, um, uh, plans of the spirit, the Lord, the reason why he calls you to a three day or, or a seven day or, or a 10, or you know, 14 or 21 or 40. There's different reasons why it calls you to these things. But mm-hmm. a three-day fast is uh, usually uh, an alignment. Uh, what, it's what I would call an alignment fast. It's it's how you get back into alignment with the spirit, with the voice of God. A three-day fast will will wake you up to the things that your flesh is doing, um, whether you admit it or not to anyone else. You will be you will have an alarm go off inwardly of some things that you are either allowing or you're struggling with, or you are frustrated with, it'll bring them to the surface. Fasting brings the flesh to the surface. It brings the battles to the surface. So a three day fast, uh, if you're healthy enough to do it, uh, usually will reveal to you what the real battle is, what the real struggle is. I read in a book one time, Celebrations of Discipline uh, by Richard Foster years ago. And he had these different chapters on certain disciplines that people should try to pursue. That's and one of the things yeah. he said about that's one of the greatest books I've read. Yeah. One of the one of the things he said about fasting is he wrote a chapter on fasting, is that when you get angry when you fast, um, you get grumpy. People say, and I said this before, if you, yeah. if you if you fasted very long, you get grumpy and you get angry and you get frustrated. And he said, you usually say, well, you know, uh, I'm I'm grumpy or I'm angry because I'm fasting. <laughs> and he said, but the truth, the truth is the fast is revealing the spirit of anger inside of you. The fast is revealing that you have anger inwardly. It's just
0: mm. coming to the surface. Mm. Yeah. Cause you're subjecting that flesh stuff will come out.
1: So it's I think, uh, out, yeah.
0: that's good, you know, for anybody to do that. But typically, you know, that's what fasting I think is for, you know, David said, I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer returned to me. And fasting is that uh, those three days is a good way to get your flesh in alignment. Uh um, Yeah.
1: Humble yourself in the mighty hand of God. He'll yeah. exalt you in due time. And then, and yeah. and hum, if my people which are called by name shall humble
0: themselves and pray, how
1: do you humble yourself? David gave you the key. He humbled his soul with fasting. Yeah. And so that positions you to receive yeah. from the Lord. Correct.
0: You, and you think about this, Jonah, Jonah fasted three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. And that was putting him back in alignment <laughs> with God. Um, wow. Very good. Yeah, that just very sort good. of came to me. That's very Jesus excellent. was. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, Jesus fasted three Well, <laughs> when his body was in the grave, technically that was a fast, but that's he the three days. He fasted on the
1: cross when he was dying for you and I, and he died yeah. that we might live. He didn't, he didn't get to drink water. And, right. uh, and he fasted for us on the cross.
0: Wasn't uh, Paul's fast after his uh, initial conversion three days? I think yes. I'm pretty sure. Paul yeah. And,
1: Paul, Esther, and now uh, you mentioned Jonah. Uh, I knew Paul and Esther were the only two until you mentioned Jonah on this. Jonah was kind of on a forced fast. God, God said you're gonna fast, but uh, hey, Paul that's the way to Esther, do it. you know,
0: why do you think God called Moses up to the mountain? There's no food or water on the mountain. Yeah, yeah, you can't right. fornicate you can't on the mountain. Yeah.
1: exactly. Right? exactly. So, and they were fornicating in the valley was where he was at. they were in the second fast, but Uh, I do think Paul and Esther were the only two people that in the Bible fasted three days with no food and no water. But the two -hmm. two, three-day fast. now Jonah obviously, now that we know this, they probably did not eat anything inside the whale. But uh, Paul and Esther purposely fasted three days, no food, no water. And I'll say this, fasting without water, um, I would not recommend it unless God tells someone to do this. Mm-hmm. And I would, if you, if you are called by God, I would never go more than what the Bible has directed. The three days was the limit because, and you know, science teaches that, you know, when you drink, if you don't drink water for three days, you you can die. And sure. so I've heard, of, I've, I've met people that have gone longer than three days without water. And uh, it just scared me uh, when I saw them, they were shaking and everything. So, um, but I would say that, you know, Paul and Esther, uh, they had a world changing moment that was coming and that would never be forgotten in the history of time. Paul was about to have a ministry that forever changed the world. Esther was about to change the world and save her people, and it required three days of no food, no water. It's a brutal fast. Uh, no mm. water is brutal. Um, I've heard people say that three days and no food and no water is the equivalent of 40 days with water. Uh, it's just and one, one of my friends, Mark Brown, told me that. Ah, uh, he had done both, and then he said that he would say, forty uh, day fast with water is is a scenic dr- country drive to the destination that you're trying to get to. And three days, no food, no water is the interstate route to get to the same destination,
0: yeah, yeah. I've done a three day fast, no food or water. I did it going into my senior year of Bible college, and I tell you what I heard from God. Mm. Got direction from but my ministry, did. yeah. Uh, Yeah, I want to ask you that. What um, let's let's when you first started fasting, really getting, you know, getting humble before the Lord. What are some things that you can say that were key that helped you that God miraculously did something for you, and you're better for it to this day because of those those fasts? What happened? Uh, Maybe Mm. the, the direction for your life or a miracle, Mm -hmm. something, you know, what, what, uh, what came about from fasting early on?
1: Yeah. One of the first fasts, I I mean, I remember as a young preacher trying to fast and, and I would be able to do a few days, you know, five, six, seven days. And the Lord would seem to give me incredible uh, favor in my schedule after that. And so when I got married to my wife, 12 years ago, we were, we just got married. We've been married about five or six months, we were living in Tennessee. And, uh, we, you know, we were really going through a, a, a dry season. It was almost Christmas time. And, and um, Brother Stone King, um, I don't know if you've had him on, on, on your podcast or not, but Brother Stone King um, called me one day. It was right around Thanksgiving. And he said, um, he said, uh, my boy, I want you to pray and fast for Steve Willoughby. He said he's got this mm. cancer, and, and, he, and he needs and he needs help. And he's not going to last more than a few weeks if God doesn't do something. Oh. He said, I would fast. I don't, have, I don't have the strength to do this. And I said, okay. And I said, well, I need to fast anyway because, you know, my schedule is dried up, and I, 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 I believe it. And the longest I'd ever gone was, I think, eight or nine, I think nine days. And so I, I went on a 10-day fast. And uh, Brother Willoughby ended up living another almost year and a half after that fast. But, oh, wow. but on the ninth day, yeah, on the ninth day of that fast, um, I got a call from a pastor in Florida who said, Would you come down to Florida and preach for me? And would you consider moving to Florida and uh basing in a condo I have for a couple of years and once a month just preach preach uh on harvest at my church and mm. that'll pay your rent and and so we went down there and we went to that and we ended up moving there. And in two years we saw over 3000 people get baptized in those once a month services. Yes. It was literally wow. over 3000 people baptized in Jesus name. And that was the product I believe of that fast because on the ninth day uh, and then on the 10th day, the Lord spoke to me uh, and said, uh, I wasn't sure so do we go or do we not go. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly mm-hmm. to an unexpected source and said, you basically uh, circled this mountain enough and uh, you're, you're going a different location. So, uh, so yeah, so that's just one. I and mean, I can tell you story after story, story um, of miracles. Uh, I went out when I fasted, uh, you know, after the long 40 uh, day fast, uh, I have been blessed in the last seven years to see um, the dead raised multiple times. I have seen, <laughs> Uh, thousands of healings. I have seen fifteen thousand people in America in the last seven and a half years receive the Holy Ghost. Praise God! Uh, and that's just in certain. That's just in services and
0: Praise in thousands God.
1: of. And, I'm not, and that's not because of anything I've done. I just think that uh, fasting for for this for a breakthrough for revival for things that happen in this nation in this world uh, uh, that did it. it. It changed. It changed our life. It changed our. It changed the authority. I mean, it changed the attack. There was definitely demonic manifestations I'd never seen before and, and dealt with spirits I'd never seen before, but it also connected me to the angelic world, which opens me to say this one thing. I want the listeners to hear this because the first angel I ever saw in the fl- in the flesh that I thought was a human was actually an angel came because your host, uh, Pastor Justin Gleason, uh, prayed for me on a Saturday morning and not knowing what I've been praying, I've been praying for a year have an encounter with the angelic because I knew I had so many encounters with the demonic. And I said, God, there's got to be a shifting here of the frequency where I I can, if I'm sensitive to one side, I should be sensitive to the other. And I've been praying and and I've been preparing for an angelic encounter, which is a whole nother message about preparing for angels to visit you. And I've spoken about this across the the, the nation, but, uh, but you came up to me in that conference in Kansas city and you laid your hands on my shoulder. On a saturday morning before i preached and you spoke and you said lord thank you for my friend and thank you that he has desire to see in the spirit world and you begin to pray that i would have that encounter with an angel that i had prayed for it was very strategic yeah. you walked away and then that night uh, after my family left kansas city and flew to new orleans uh, uh and we were tired and my wife was pregnant with our third child we had the two boys with us and it was saturday night we just preached for you guys. And we were going to preach in Mississippi that Sunday morning was late and we leave the airport and we're worn out and we're headed to Mississippi. We get pulled over by what I thought was a policeman, a massive um, seven foot tall African-American man. And he, I got out of the car, long story short, he ended up looking down at me and telling me, uh, uh, calm down champ. And, uh, he said, praise the Lord. And then he all of a sudden hugged me and said, go get him tomorrow. And he knew where and he knew where I was going. And uh, the presence of God came all over me, and he drove away. And I didn't realize until he was gone, I entertained an angel because yeah. the Bible said you entertain them unaware. Which, by the way, the word entertain means to show hospitality to. So, yeah. uh, just one little thing for every listeners: if you want to entertain angels, make sure you entertain strangers, because if you're not hospitable to the homeless and to the stranger, you are disqualified from being uh, eligible to. Uh, have an encounter with an angel because a stranger you can treat rudely and de- and have no repercussion but you treat an angel rudely god the angel might kill you so god test you with strangers to see if yes. he can trust you with angels and so my friend justin gleason here this host uh, he prayed for me and the lord opened my eyes that same day to see them And i've <laughs> had a few encounters with angels since so thank you
0: oh uh, well <laughs> You know, that was the spirit of prophecy that moved on me, you know, in that moment, declaring what God intended to do. You know, you pray to God, God hears your prayers, and he signified it through me, you know, to confirm to you that, yes, it's coming. And you saw the angel of the Lord there in New Orleans. And um, also... Uh, Brother Herring, you know, we've been talking a lot about demons, a little bit about angels, but I really want to focus on the angels of the Lord, you know, and it's, and it's, we probably by design talked about demons first, because if we say demons, oh, we get everybody's attention. You know, everybody loves the demons and they'll believe anything you tell them about demons, it seems like. But when we talk about angels, is it just mere do people check out?
1: because they're demonic is entertaining and that's mm. why the demonic entertains people and so uh you know there, it takes work to get to the angelic dimension and uh it takes you know really really raising your faith level and and believing god and and preparing you have to prepare for angelic visitations you can't right. just uh, you know there there there's certain things that they're not attracted to and And they don't, they don't want to go near it. And so, Mm uh, and they're, they're on assignment, you know, and one of the greatest encounters I ever, or it was almost like, uh, uh, the one of the greatest things I ever saw in my life, uh, it'll go down and, and it's one of the highlights of my life is, uh, in a service on a Sunday night, Stockton, California, we're interceding for Israel during song service. And I, and I, and I'm praying for Israel to be protected and I close my eyes and I, it's like, I'm watching this movie. And these men are going to the border of Israel, and they're launching rockets at the border of Israel, into Israel. And as the rockets are flying in the air, all of a sudden this being made out of fire, only way I can describe him to the listeners is, is like an upside-down triangle. Uh, and mm-hmm. he turned, his back was to the rockets, and he turned, and he and he had a face, and it was, was made of fire. He swatted the rockets back into Palestine. And uh they landed in in Palestine. And I got up to preach that night and I told the people and they kinda clapped and golf clapped me like you talked about, you know, checked out. But the next morning, the next morning on the news, literally, it's the news report said that last night in the border of Israel and Palestine, some men walked, some soldiers came to the border, launched rockets into the into Israel, and the rockets reversed in midair and landed back in Palestine. Well, uh, a few years later brother stone kings on the phone with me and we're talking about angels and he says Josh did you know that uh, t w barnes one of the greatest prophets that ever lived prayed for israel every day tom barnes he said he prayed for uh, he prayed for israel every day he went to, he went to israel and uh, he said he uh he went and met he met michael the archangel michael the archangel met him whoa i said you got to be kidding me he said no he said he he went to the hotel he lay sat on his bed and michael the archangel was in his room and Michael said, I am Michael the Archangel. And he said, uh, welcome to Israel, Tom Barnes. We've been waiting for you. And he said, he, like, he said, like, he shot out the window back into the air. He said, and this is what he said. And he said, Michael was made out of fire and guards the border of Israel. Mm. That's what he said. And I realized what had happened a few years before. I had seen Michael, the archangel, who is a warring angel or part of the heavenly host. He's the chief prince of the heavenly host host in the in the Bible. If you see heavenly host, that's God's military. It's it's the the warring angels. They're made out of fire. Um, Human humans rarely see them. Uh, Elisha saw them, the chariots and horses made of fire Uh, when Jesus was born. Uh, the Bible said there suddenly was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace, good will toward men, which is another story itself, because when the angel mentioned the birth of Jesus, the, the heavenlies could not resist. They heard the words in the atmosphere and they were attracted to it. So it wasn't a bunch of, you know, messenger angels or cherubims, which are worshiping angels or ministering spirits, which are angels that look like humans that these were the warring angels that lit up the sky. In fact, you can right. read through several commentaries that the sky looked, looked like fire uh, because it lit up like fire. So anyway, you know, that story right there is it's, 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 some people like, well, sure. I'm not sure. Well, you know, you don't have to be sure. I know what happened, but I'm just saying that it's real. They're out there. They're watching and they, yeah, they're, they're all attracted to your life. Yeah. They're either attracted to your life or they're Repulsed by your life, so
0: yeah, you know, fasting is one of the key things I think to attract angels. You look at the uh, major fasts of the Bible. You have fasting food, water. Uh, in the Old Testament, they would often uh, fast bathing. They would fast anointing themselves. They would fast wearing nice clothing. They would wear sackcloth. They put ashes on their face. Uh, and and at times they would fast marital relations. And you think about that, all of those things, when one does those things, fasts food and water, bathing, fast anointing, wearing nice clothes, marital relations, all of those things, you are living like an angel. Yes. You're living like an angel. You're not providing anything for the flesh. It's all spirit. And spirit. And that, yeah. that attracts angels. They identify with that because they're not of the flesh. God didn't stoop down and form them of the dust of the ground. They're all spirit uh, there. And, uh, you know, you, I want to have angels living in my home with me. (laughs) I want them in the car with me. I want them. I I believe that Job's hedge of protection. It wasn't a a bunch of boxwoods around him. It was angels. It was angels. Yep. And, uh, that's
1: exactly why Satan saw him.
0: Yep. So I, I want to have that. And when you fast pray, you will create a very comfortable atmosphere. For the angels of the Lord. You certainly will. You
1: know, when we close this call, I'd like to pray and impart the spirit of fasting to every listener. Mm-hmm. And because I really feel like if I can pray it on you and believe, you, if you'll believe it and receive it. Um, I know that when I first preached the first time on fasting after I'd done several long fasts, the Lord told me to preach on fasting. It was in Troy, Michigan, for Martin Walker. And he said, mm-hmm. Tonight you will impart the spirit of fasting to thousands of people. And I said, Well, I know Brother Walker's got a great church, but I don't, I was here Sunday. There weren't thousands of people here. You know, it was a couple hundred people. And he said, tonight you'll impart to thousands. I didn't know what he meant. And I preached that message. And um, that was recorded on YouTube. And they literally, I mean, it's got like 60,000 views. And there's another one that I preached, same similar message with 60 more thousand. I don't understand, but I do know one thing. That every everywhere I go, someone walks up to me when i'm going to preach and says i listened to that fasting message i went on a fast i fasted longer than i ever fasted before and i and i had miracles and answered prayers and god gave me direction or god stopped something and so i don't know what it is but i believe if i pray for the people that are listening the lord will impart this today and there will be a great Amen. Influx, and there'll be a rushing of humans into the spirit world.
0: Praise God. Well, you know what? Brother Herring, please pray over us right now. God's here. Pray over us.
1: By the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of the Lord Jesus, I release a spirit of fasting upon every man, woman, boy, and girl listening right now. I pray in Jesus' name against every distraction and every demon that would hinder them from getting the answered prayers that they desire. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak authority to them. I speak focus to them. Yes. I speak desire for you will have something greater to fast for than the struggle you are fighting. Mm. And the, your mind will be consumed with the answered prayer rather than the battle that you are in. And a holy focus from the heavenlies will come upon you and your face shall be set like flint, like Jesus set his face toward the cross. You will set your face toward the end of this fast, and you will mm. have answered prayers in Jesus' name. God will oh, speak dates name. to you right now. There will be a date that comes to your mind where you will begin your fast. You will bring your fast to your pastor. He mm. will bless it. He will cover it. If he covers it, go on it, and you will be released into the spirit world in
0: Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. That was the uh, the spirit of impartation. And if you are in agreement with the man of God, Brother Herring, today, may a portion of what he is and what he does be upon you to fast, to pray, to seek the Lord, to be totally, totally submitted to the will of God. And in doing so, amen, the Lord will open you up to spiritual things, to spiritual things. Fasting creates opportunities for spirit signals, to be able to see the signs and the workings of God. And in this season and in this time, we need people to hear from God. We need wisdom from God. We need to know what the Lord is doing. These are uh, very uncertain times. And uh, the listeners here, you, you need to get a word. Amen. You need to get direction. You need to be a light for your youth group, a light for your hyphen group. You need to be a husband. You need to be the leader of your home for your wives, your children. God's calling you to fast. Pastors, God is calling you to fast for your congregation. We need to hear from God. We need to be a spiritual people. Brother Herring, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been special. I've got two pages full of notes here and uh, uh, great stuff. Uh, I'm definitely going to be listening to this uh, several times to get all of the uh, depth that uh, you brought to us today. Uh, Brother Herring, after this book, Fast Forward, is published, will you be so kind as to come back on here again to talk more about this subject of fasting in the spirit world? I I'd be honored.
1: Awesome. Thank you for all you're doing for the entire planet, and for everyone getting access to this podcast. It's such a jewel and a privilege for people to have access to this kind of stuff and I and I give you high honor for having the faith and the courage to
0: step out and launch this. Oh, well thank you. Thank you very much. Uh the story of Spirit Signal it's 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 a deep powerful story that was actually born out of prayer and fasting that uh, we'll tell uh, perhaps at a future date. So All right. Well, this concludes our episode of Spirit Signal. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And remember this. Don't think for one minute that the devil is not interested in you. Oh, he'd like to bring you down. And if he'll tempt Jesus after his fast, he is certain to tempt you as well. So arm yourselves. Put on the full armor of God. Learn to pray. Learn to fast. Read your Bible. And of course, Come back and listen to Spirit Signal next week. We'll talk to you then. God bless.